Okay, welcome to the April 9th Planning Commission meeting. And if I can have everybody's attention, if you would join me in the flag salute. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Okay, we'll get a report from... Planning Director, EJ, or roll call, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll, I'll, I'll get up to that, but I'll, that'll give you a chance to get up there, Kathy. Uh, Mr. Sevison's absent, Mr. Gray? Here. Mr. Moss? Here. Mr. Johnson? Here. Mr. Nader? Here. Mr. Ricucci? Here. Mr. Denial? Here. Okay, we'll get the report now. Yeah. Members of the Commission, I'm EJ Avaldi with the Planning Services Division. Uh, our last board meeting was up in Tahoe. Uh, we heard the Faulkner Garage. Uh, your commission approved that. Uh, no appeal was filed, so uh, we can consider that one uh, on its way, so that's good news. I want to talk about some scheduling issues uh, for the upcoming April 23rd Planning Commission meeting. We want to cancel that. And the meeting after that is scheduled for May 14th, what I would like to do is uh, entertain you, see if you guys would be willing to come in a week earlier and have a meeting on May 7th. We have, a, we have some projects that we're trying to get to, to commission without waiting a full five weeks, possibly only four weeks. So... If you want an answer now. So, yeah, well, no, well just a heads up, if you guys, you know, you may have to look at calendars and so forth, but what, I, what I'm thinking is, uh, we'll, you know, we won't have the meeting on April 23rd. Uh, we'll reconvene on May 7th. And then we'll cancel the May 14th meeting. Yeah, it's fine. Good. So if you guys are, if that works, if there's any, if you find out there's a conflict, let me know. Yeah, I mean, uh, we can work time. with it. But if we have a quorum, uh, it could serve us all well. All right. Okay, so tentatively, it looks like it'll work. And uh, one, one of the items today is the Ponds Pavilion and Lofts. We're asking for a continuance on that today. So if that was granted, we would be looking at that date of May 7th. Uh, there's uh, the Grove. Uh, it's a subdivision modification down at Granite Bay. We would also want to have that on May 7th. Uh, there's also a appeal of a design review decision uh, regarding the electric fence. Uh, that's also a Granite Bay project. Uh, so anyway, so we'd like to have at least those three. I'm not sure that is it. There's a lot of uh, projects in the pipe right now. So if we can uh, add to that agenda, we would. But we would like to do all that on May 7th. So that's all I have. Unless you have questions, we can get underway. Thank you, Jay. All right, thank you. Okay, at this time, if there's anyone in the public that would like to comment on anything other than any items that are before us today now is your chance to go yeah come on up and let us know what you're thinking sure i prepared this and the grove was supposed to be on the april 23rd meeting my name is Arlene Keeley. I live at 8171 Berg Street in Granite Bay. I'm, I'm unable to attend the 423 hearing due to work. This is regarding the Grove at Granite Bay and the applicant's request to modify conditions of approval. 
The applicant is scheduled before you that day, or what? Uh, they went before the Granite Bay MAC last week as an action item. The MAC unanimously denied the request to strike down and remove a significant condition of approval to allow solid fencing along Berg Street within the front setback. I moved to Berg in 94. Berg is about a half mile long with only 12 homes along the east side. The rural open atmosphere attracted me, and Berg has retained that feel even today. In 94, I researched and found this parcel had entitlements to construct 21 homes. The future lots along Berg Street had front yards facing our homes. It was designed to blend new construction with existing to look like a neighborhood street. In 2004, Coker Ewing brought forth a different proposal, 32 homes with backyards facing existing neighbors along Berg. The neighbors and community fought the proposed erection of solid fencing along Berg. The compromise were conditions that allowed the construction of solid fencing, but set that back to 50 feet of edge of easement, called the front setback. The commissioners felt this would discourage a developer to use land, this, the commissioners felt this would encourage the developer to use landscaping instead of fencing to preserve vegetation for the benefit of the community and Berg Street neighbors and provide privacy to homeowners. This plan was approved by the Planning Commission and the Board of Supervisors. This process encompassed significant community participation. Now, the builder developer intends to renege on the conditions by asking you to agree to a modification that would essentially overturn the most significant aspect that affects the community and neighborhood. They propose to allow the erection of solid or partial solid fencing within the front setback. At the MAC meeting, the applicant was, was not able to define partial solid. A member in the audience asked, does partial refer to a shortening length of solid fencing or, or fencing that is partially solid? The applicant stated to the MAC, the applicant also stated to the MAC that the modification is necessary to free up restrictions caused by the conditions so homeowners can construct stone barbecues within front setback, within the front setback. However, they've already installed one within the front setback on the model home lot 32 and a MAC board member recalled that barbecue structures are a landscape element. The applicant stated solid fencing is necessary to provide greater privacy in the backyards of lots that front Berg. However, privacy is easily mitigated with greenery, as stated by a MAC board member. Last summer, the builder constructed and handsomely landscaped the model homes. They installed landscaping within a landscape easement, but sparsely planted tiny fultinias and pine saplings. Lot one has only one lone sapling within the easement. I provided snapshots and included myself as a height reference. I'm four feet 11 inches tall. Greenery can provide privacy. I provided snapshots of plantings within the subdivision to affirm that. I ask you to please support the max decision to unanimously deny the request to modify the conditions of approval. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else in the public that has any comments on anything? Seeing none, we'll close it and we will go to our item number one, Morgan Knowles Residential Subdivision. Good morning, Lisa Carnahan. I was looking for the other, there was two clickers, but I guess I'll just go with the one. The other one was for the this one does not have a really good laser, but we will Lisa, make it work. A, uh, there's one, a, a pointer right up on the, right in front of you, that other. 
Oh. Like the pen. A much better one, I might add. Oh, yeah, there it is. <laughs> I can actually see that one. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, good morning. Yes, this is the Morgan Knowles Residential Subdivision. Um, as you can see here, this is, gives you a little regional context. Uh, you got 80 out here. This is Dry Creek West Placer Community Plan. Here's Dry Creek. Uh, so it's right on the corner of Wallerga and PFE. And I'm going to have to do the dueling banjos thing here. So there we go. So here's the Morgan Knolls. You've got Hidden Crossing Subdivision, which is being built as we speak. The Riolo Vineyards uh, specific plan area with Parcel J, or now called Mariposa, right here. You have What's not shown here is Morgan Place, Morgan Ranch, Morgan, Morgan something, Morgan Place, I think it is, which, which is uh, high-density residential along with the Sabre City area. In 1990, when the community plan was adopted, there were land use designations for low-density residential, high-density residential, but there wasn't anything to accommodate the middle range, two to four. The Morgan Knowles comes in with 61 units uh, and a density of 3.7 right, right in the middle of that range. Uh, the proposed community plan designation would be to include a, the medium density residential area with two to four acres. Uh, as you can see here, here's the Morgan Knowles area. Uh, you've got, this is the Riola Vineyard Parcel J section over here. You've got commercial, uh, Low, low density residential and high density residential surrounding it. Uh, staff is in support of the request for uh, to include the median density residential in the community plan and change the resident change the land use uh, to medium density residential, uh, given that the proposed density is compatible with the surrounding land uses and that the uh, the proposed use is a less intensive use that, than what could be there under the commercial aspect of it. Um, you've got about 8.9 acres of commercial or in that range here. The commercial component can accommodate uh, high density, you know, multi multiple family residential. So they could accommodate up to about 194 units just on the commercial portion. And then you have the uh, low density residential to add into that for 200 or so units that could be built on this. And they're requesting a, if you will, a down zone to allow 61 units. So here, there, along with the uh, uh, the amendment to the community plan, they are asking for a rezone again to change it from uh, commercial and low density residential to RSAGB6, so residential single family ag combining uh, with a building lot size minimum of 6,000 square feet. Uh, this is the plan that was presented to the MAC. Uh, the, as you can see here, the, this is the main entrance off of Walurga. It is a right in, right out only. 
There are three connections to the adjacent Hidden Crossing subdivision on the north and two to the east, um, which allows for ingress and egress out of the Hidden Crossing subdivision here and up in here. So essentially, for traffic and circulation purposes, they will function as one subdivision. Uh, mitigated neg deck was prepared for this project and an errata was included as an attachment to your staff report and it was just to further clarify two issues. One, the PCWA wanted to make it clear that they would need to annex into zone one um, in order to uh, get Cal-Am to uh, provide water. And then the other, um, the other was just to clarify uh, further the park dedication fees that are, but neither neither one of the uh, things in the errata change any. There's no new mitigation um, that's increased. There's no new significant impacts at all. Um, this did go to the MAC as an action item last month, and one of the things the MAC asked for was increased setbacks from the roadways so the applicant went back and they did revise the tentative map as you see here to increase this area here by five feet. Um, the one, I think the, the, um, the main issue that was brought up and the reason, there, it was a 2-2 vote so they, there is no recommendation from the MAC for this item. Um, there was the concern of the possibility of creating the, or the medium density residential would create a precedent for future projects and like it was explained there and as you know each project stands on its own merits and is analyzed based upon the site specific conditions and so any project that may come in in the future would have to be analyzed um, in that vein. Um, the land use designation doesn't uh, occur anywhere else. However, the densities, that two to four range, occur in multiple places in the adjacent hidden crossing. I'm talking about as a, a county's official designation doesn't exist yet, this medium density. The medium density does not in, is not included in the Dry Creek Community Plan currently. It doesn't exist anywhere in the county as far as the definition of medium density? Oh, high density and low density. Does this medium density exist anywhere else in, by definition, anywhere else in the county? Yeah, we have medium densities in all the different portions of the county. That's so. what I was uh, This is the preliminary landscape portion showing the tot lot down at the southern area and the uh, meandering uh, eight-foot walkway along the edge, the landscaping. And this is a really telling slide in that it shows the neighborhood compatibility. Whenever you're looking at a rezone, you know, we always analyze, okay, what does, what does it look like in context with the surrounding parcels? As you can see, here's the Here's the Morgan Knolls. Here's the Hidden Crossing parcel. 
and the parcel J or Mariposa. And this is the, the other one to the south that I mentioned that's of higher density. As you can see, the proposed lot configuration really melds well with the adjacent parcel. In fact, as I said, there's three connections to the hidden crossing, which would provide two additional access points for people coming in here, one to the, on the Willerga side and one on the PFE side, along with their own right-in, right-out. Lisa? Uh-huh. In Riolo and also in Morgan Ranch, mm -hmm. those, uh, those densities look higher than this. I know you said that the one in Morgan Ranch is higher. This density. is higher. This is a high-density residential, right. the, as is this. Is, what is that over in Riolo right there? Is this that, is about 3.5. Is it considered high, or is it? Well, it's the, in that medium range. But it's, oh, it it's within the Riola Vineyard specific plan, so. Right. But it's, this is at 3.7 approximately. <coughs> Excuse me. And overall, although there's some that are uh, tighter here, they have some larger ones also, so the overall density is 3.7. Right. So it's, it's very compatible with, it, with what they're proposing. Lisa? Uh-huh. The property surrounding this, that is also medium density? This one? Yeah, what is the density there? It's 2.7, which would fall into the medium density range. Did, so did they have to go through the same process? At they some didn't, point? it was a PD at that time. Okay. So they had a special, their own, yeah, well, but, but, the, the, but the density, just like the Rio Vineyard specific plan, it's a specific plan, so they didn't need to get a change to the community plan. However, the density is the it's same. the same. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Uh, the applicant has requested a uh, variance also to the lot size. I'll go back to that one real quick. Um, from 40 to 50 for single story. At the time of the writing of this staff report, that was the request, was 40, increase it from 40 to 50 for single stories and 35 to 45 for two stories. Um, which staff was not supportive of. They have come back since then, and um, the applicant, Dave Cook, will be discussing somewhat of a compromise that they've come up with and during his part of, part of the presentation. Uh, with that, I'm going to close my portion out and recommending that the commission um, recommend to the Board of Supervisors to adopt the mitigated neg deck, errata, and mitigation monitoring report. Um, adopt a resolution to amend the community plan to allow the medium density residential, adopt a resolution uh, to change the land use designation for this particular parcel to medium density to residential, uh, adopt an ordinance rezoning the parcel to uh, res ag with a BX of six square foot minimum, approve the tennis subdivision map, and deny the, the variance as uh, reported in the staff report. Lisa, mm -hmm. one, one question. On all the other areas in the county, is there a, you know, when you're talking about the 40 and 35 percent to 50 and 45, what, what is the normal across the county for all lots? Well, it depends. Uh, it, it's based upon what zone district they're in. For residential single-family zone district, which this is 
wanting to go to, it is the 40% for single stories and 35% for two stories. So you're saying really across the county there's not a set it, it is. It's just within the... With, within... Each zone district would have... A different mm -hmm. from the next zone district mm -hmm. and stuff. But mm -hmm. I mean, overall in the county, is it 50? It, 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 I guess my question is, it, it, a lot of jurisdictions that I know that aren't Placer County, whether it's cities and stuff, it's 50% is sort of a standard. And I was just wondering, you know, from the county standpoint, in other districts and stuff, is it higher same lower i think roseville's 35 percent in a in an r1 might be higher in something else and actually at tahoe last well when we were up there we had to vote on that to go to 50 percent so it's not standard 50 percent isn't standard at least not that my not that i know of no it's not standard no but there have been other instances of uh sure like you had mentioned Experiences, so. Okay. And with Thank that, you. with that, I'll turn it over to Dave Cook. Unless anybody has any other questions for me. Nope. Thank you, Lisa. Dave Cook, RCH Group. Mr. Chairman, members of the commission. Thanks for uh, taking the time this morning to go through this. Um, just to clarify, Commissioner Denial, your, on your question, I think the forty percent is actually pretty standard throughout the county um, within, as Lisa said, the RS district. But what you've got is, I, I think, a little different paradigm in terms of the lot sizes that we've seen historically versus where the market is going today. And that's a little bit about uh, my discussion in, in terms of why, with our modified approach, we see a need for that variance on the coverage for single-story homes. So I want to go back to this slide because I think it, it really is helpful from a standpoint of taking what was designated in the community plan as a commercial parcel that would have basically mirrored the one that's included in the Real Vineyard specific plan and looking at <clears throat> something that works in today's market and something that is going to be more consistent with the surrounding existing and proposed neighborhoods that are underway now and, and approved with Morgan Place and, uh, and Hidden Crossing. The configuration and the location in this corner made it difficult to do commercial because it's right in, right out only, and that starts to really impact your ability to attract tenants because the circulation is key. So we, we took this approach with slightly smaller lots, but, but lots that would be compatible with and blend with the adjacent neighborhood so that when this is all developed to the the passerby, it shouldn't be all that apparent that these are different neighborhoods. It should feel fairly consistent, even though the product will be slightly different. Uh, a couple things that we've worked on, starting on the outside, are the, the sound walls, because sound attenuation is necessary out here based on the traffic and the noise on Walerga and PFE. The community plan prefers, and it was stated at the MAC, we don't want to see sound walls. We'd rather see the berm. And it's something that personally I've struggled with since the Morgan Creek project, which I was involved in, and, and numerous others, where we really believe that with the berm and then privacy fencing, you end up with more of a physical anomaly out there because it's going to be a, a bigger hump. It's not going to look as natural 
as we think this can look if properly landscaped. So what this shows, we need 10 foot of, of uh, noise attenuation or 10 foot walls relative to pad height off of Wallerga because there's greater traffic volume. We only need six feet on, on PFE. And this gives you a, a sense of scale on how that's going to look where a portion of that 10 foot is handled by the berm, the other portion by a sound wall, but that sound wall is meant to disappear over time. Now, you know, full disclosure, we all know that when it's initially put in, you put in your planning, it is going to look like this for a, a time frame, but with the right kind of plant palette, and particularly trailing vines and fig, et cetera, over time that wall will disappear and it will serve to reduce the noise in those backyards to the 60 decibel level. And this will look, we believe, more in scale with the community and the surrounding area. So with, with that, let's go to the, to the variance and the issue of, of setbacks and the, the massing. This exhibit here was based on sort of the typical lot configuration that exists in, in the center or the core of the neighborhood which is a 65 by 110 foot lot, 7150. The average lot size in here, even though the B6 zone gives us a minimum of 6,000, our average is actually about 7,800. And there are more than, I wanna say 40, I think it's 45, 46% that are 7,500 and, and below. So the 6,000 is, we had to go to the, to the minimum lot size to, to establish that. In that zone district, we could do five foot side yard setbacks on both sides for a total of 10. We could do a 12 and a half foot front setback, but that's not what we're trying to accomplish. Again, we wanted a neighborhood that was gonna look and feel more compatible with the existing neighborhood that's underway now. And so we're proposing seven and a half foot side yard setbacks, whether it's a single story or a two story for a total of 15 feet. Whereas on a single story, you could go down to five feet. We just think that it's gonna create more space between the homes and it's gonna feel better as it's experienced both from the perimeter as well as interior streets. This little exhibit is really, you know, maybe the easiest way to graphically illustrate the, the difference that you might see with five and five versus seven and a half and seven and a half. We, we attempted to replicate that with the prior slide and it, it's just not that perceivable at this scale. So suffice it to say that you can see that these homes stretch out to those minimum or theoretical minimum five foot setbacks in the, on the, on the uh, lots, but staying at the 20 foot setback in front and in fact in the, in the back. So our proposal as Lisa indicated when we went through the staff report, we understood that perhaps our intentions had been either poorly uh, presented or somewhat misinterpreted. There's never been a desire to have larger two-story homes than might otherwise be provided with that 35% coverage. So we're modifying our proposal to request 50% lot coverage only for single story, but only for 20 of the lots because of that patterned in the center where we're constricted with this 110 by 65. We wanna make sure that we can get roughly half the lots with single story homes, but have the latitude to have a large enough single family home that works in, in there. 
with the normal coverage, well, let me, let, let's back up. 2,600 to 3,200 square foot habitable space is the objective for the single story homes, 3,000 to 3,800 for the two story homes. Of the current coverage standards, you're only gonna get, and you can, you can see with this little diagram, once you take out about 530 square feet for a garage, staying with our self-imposed seven and a half, seven and a half, keeping the 20 foot minimum setback and adapting to the same conditions which Hidden Crossing uh, accepted, where the garage sits back so that from an elevation standpoint, the garage doesn't dominate the, the, the streetscape, we can only, filling in these, these boxes we, to get to the 40% coverage, we end up with a net 2,300 square foot single story home. And in today's market, that just doesn't quite get it. The shifting demographic, the desire for folks to have master down, sometimes a, a plan with two masters, folks are entertaining more, they've got bigger closets, bigger master suites. We're, we're trying to stay with the market and the yard is not as important. And I would contend that in this neighborhood, close proximity to our community park. They've got great recreational facilities there. Um, perhaps with, it, with the increase as, as shown here, even though we could attain the 50% and still keep a 20 foot rear yard setback, although the zoning code allows us to go to 10 on single story, with the lot depths we have, we can still, we can get to the 50%, still keep that 20 in the, in the back, the 20 in the front, we're reducing potentially landscaped or irrigated areas, which is important as we go forward. And consequently, with the 50% max coverage, now that footprint, when you add this other 10% here, you can get basically a box of 3575, subtract out the garage. Now we're right around the 3,000 square foot target for that larger single story home that we're, we're looking for. So that's, that's the, the modified proposal and again, where you'll see, if you'll see this from a, a physical reality, is going to be basically in the back, not on the sides, not on a compromise or reduction in the front yard setback. Excuse me, Dave? Yes. So it might understand then you're no longer looking or you never were looking for a different coverage for the, for the two-story? We, we started out asking for it. And it, I really think it took the staff report interpolating what that could do on some of these lots and the size of home that would result in and went back with, with my client and said, what are we really trying to attain here? And it, it's not to have that large a two-story home. It, it was really always to accomplish the larger single-story home. So current proposal is, is for single-story only to 50% on 20 lots. Was that what I understood? Correct. Somewhat different than where, where we started. And it, again, realization that, you know, the, the, the interpretation, if that was applied to all lots, because we do have quite a few lots that are greater than 8,000 feet, just about a third of them are larger than 8,000. We don't want these to be McMansions. We simply want to be able to get that larger single-story unit on there. So in, in going back, reviewing the staff report, we've dug in and this is what we're proposing is one story only go from 40 to 50 percent but that would apply to no more than 20 lots and it would only apply to those lots which are less than 7,500 square feet so we're not going to apply that to a 10,000 square foot lot to where we could do a you know 4,500 square foot 
single story, for example. And then this variance, because it would apply to a limited and specific number of lots once assigned, that can be documented and controlled by virtue of notations in the development notebook. So that each, each lot which has that right or privilege is going to be so noted and the others are gonna indicate the standard, the standard coverage there. How many, how many of the lots are um, just out of the 61 are below 7,500 square feet? Um, I mean, you're only asking for 20, but is there 30, 40 of them? Or? There, there are 28. Oh, there's 28, yeah. okay. And, and so in looking at the map, not knowing, because you don't want to pre-plot everything right no, now, no, no. just mathematically trying to determine how many do we think we might need within that, that core of the subdivision. And 20 is a number that our client is comfortable with. So again, back to the, the compatibility uh, we, we think that with, with this, there are findings that need to be made to support a variance. And we, we think that there are some special circumstances related to this property. And those include the fact that this is essentially a voluntary downzoning. And the county's not asked us to do this. This is the, the developer, our client is asked to be able to do a residential project rather than commercial. There are constraints, as I mentioned, with the ingress and egress, but we felt that this was going to be more compatible with the adjacent neighborhoods, but offer another range of residential densities in the area. So compatible, but not exactly like the others, and not the high density that this commercial zoning does in fact allow, as Lisa uh, indicated. It would be nearly 200 units on this same, same property. The, the project's been designed to create a cohesive and, and sort of a, a, a clean transition from the adjacent properties, as I mentioned, so that it all appears to be part of the same development and to connect to the roads that were already stubbed from the Hidden Knolls project. What, what you've got here is with those existing connection points and the shape of this, you have limited options in terms of how you approach the land planning. If you've got to tie into these streets and you do start to do the math from your setbacks along the perimeter roads, you're limited in terms of how many lots are you going to be able to get, what are those sizes, and given that we're trying to attain a 65-foot wide lot, not the 50 that would be allowed in the, in the B6 zone district, but 65, mathematically, all of a sudden you find yourself to where you can't get the number of lots that you would otherwise like. We started out hoping that we might be able to get somewhere closer to 75 or 80. And it just, it wasn't attainable with the objective of the lot size we were trying to get. So in order to get lots where we could do some single story, where they would really address today's market demands, you know, we ended up having to go slightly larger. And with this shape, we have more frontage overall in terms of improvement cost than does Hidden Knolls. Uh, we're um, about 1,640 lineal feet of frontage improvements, whereas there are 1,000. And you know, we go through and do this math on a per lot basis. Every one of these lots in here has a burden of maybe 13 lineal feet. If you were to amortize it, I don't want to put it in dollars, but that's each lot's share of those frontage improvements. Morgan Knolls has more than double that, it's 27 lineal feet of improvement obligation 
for those, those frontage improvements. Furthermore, there's a drainage swale that runs across here that requires wetland permitting, that requires additional grading, that requires additional drainage improvements, upsizing of a, of a drain line across Valerga. All those costs, which are difficult to amortize against a smaller number of lots, had we gone with large enough lots to avoid having to do the variance. Um, I, I think the other thing to point out is this design and this, this neighborhood really address one of the key community plan goals, which is uh, protect and enhance the character of the Dry Creek West Placer Community Plan in a way that's compatible with the physical and natural constraints and features present in the community. What's present is an existing neighborhood. What's coming is what's been approved here. So we're trying to stay within that context. Um, additionally, in the general plan, the county shall encourage, this is uh, 1B3, the planning and design of new residential subdivisions to emulate the best characteristics, e.g. form, scale, and general character of existing nearby neighborhoods. And general plan policy 1B7 states that the county shall require residential subdivisions to be designed to provide well-connected internal and external street and pedestrian systems. So again, we're bound by the physical reality, but also to an extent the general plan in terms of how we approach the design of this. So in addition to, the, to these design elements, we've increased the setback off of PFE based on the feedback from the, from the MAC. We had the depth on those lots, so we were able to pull it back another five feet. We're offering to provide side yard setbacks of seven and a half feet rather than the, the minimum of five, which is standard in the, in the county. And the rear yard setbacks, which are 10 foot minimum for single story, we will be able to provide 20 foot on those. Um, again, we're willing to limit the applicability of that variance to single story homes only and only 20 lots. And um, finally, the design of this really follows the smart growth principles that SACOG expounds. And as we move further through this drought, I think that's gonna become all the more important. So with that, happy to answer any questions, but would, would uh, thank you for your support on items one through five, and hopefully um, the commission can make the findings to support the modified variance that we proposed. Sure. Is the landscaping in front of the, the, the sound wall, is, is that critical to the function of the sound wall, or is that just intended to hide it? The latter. It, it, it will soften the, the noise, but it, it's the wall or the berm. It's the physical structure that really does the sound attenuation. But it, it's, it's a matter of trying to make it look in time, once the planting matures, just trying to make it look more natural than either a stark wall or, or a berm, which is not a land, you know, a 10-foot berm is not a landform that we see out in, in this part of the, the area. I, and I understand that. I guess I just am hesitant to keep continuing to require more landscaping and more landscaping and more landscaping when we don't have water to keep it going. I'd rather see a nicer, prettier wall built and, and less greenery right. that's, uh, that's just going to go ugly anyway if we can't water it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't disagree, but it's, it's that balancing act between what the community plan objectives and goals are and what we've, we've heard, and so we're trying to strike that balance. We've got a little bit of turf, and we perhaps need to look at that 
high water demand element of the landscape plan as we move forward to go with something that doesn't demand as much water. The, the rest of that stuff is more drip irrigation. But to your point, there is a risk. And, and I mean, I'm not saying just to your project specifically. No, I, I hear you. Every, every one we look at has landscaping, 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 and it requires water, water, water. And I just think it's time to look at something different. When, when, you, land, when, you, when you go ahead with the landscaping, um, does the county uh, have criteria now that we are kind of in a drought situation um, as far as the type of plants or recommended or they can't use other kind? I mean, what, what's, the, what's the process there? Yeah, we have, uh, the county has landscape design guidelines and, and we include, you know, a, a section on, you know, drought tolerant landscaping. And we'll probably see more and more of that as, you know, as the days go by. Okay, thank you. Hey, any other questions? I guess, uh... <clears throat> yeah, I'm thinking about the uh, variance, and uh, I think I got it. But uh, basically, uh, in this case, you uh, voluntarily downzoned to a pattern of development, the medium density development. And uh, because of that, uh, the thing that's unique about this is the voluntary down zone, but it's also that uh, the adjacent neighborhood, uh, you're trying to blend in with the adjacent neighborhood Correct. with uh, uh, the additional coverage of up to 20 lots, single-story lots. Correct. And so that would be up to 50%. Is that basically a, the statement of the uniqueness or the... Uh, Special circumstance? I, I believe that in addition to those, there may be more of, of a reference to the physical constraints of the site, which is why I, I point out the, the swale and drainage improvements. I point out the um, ex extraordinary frontage obligation to this vis-a-vis -vis an adjacent project. It just happens to be the configuration. I think those things all contribute to the, the kinds of findings that the commission would have to make in order to uh, adopt that variance. Okay. Does that answer answer your question? Yeah, thank you. Okay. Jeff, did you have another? Oh, I just was was looking and thinking that the additional five foot setback that you conceded to obviously shrinks the lot size on anything that's a frontage and necessitates the need to to have a little more lot coverage, or is that? Actually, on those perimeter lots, we don't have as much of an issue with coverage as we do on sort of this interior block interior lots. right here. Yeah, we've got a little more depth. These, just because of the, again, the math at a certain street width, and when you start doing the math and dividing this out, you can either put that additional depth throughout, but it, it made some other things uneven in terms of where this ingress, uh, egress needed to be. So these lots along here were actually deeper than most of the others. So it, it doesn't really, doesn't really have that much of an impact on there. Um, Dave, one, well, one of the big, big things, at least, that I'm getting out of this, because all the adjacent property around it, those other lots that are being developed right now, they have the seven and a half foot setbacks, right? They, they have conditions which are the, the standard five foot single story, seven and a half, I think a combined 15. We were but, looking at I the, mean, if, if you drove through the neighborhood and you looked at the houses, you'd see 15 feet. Or, or, or more in some or cases. Or more right. between them. Right. To where if you built this out, 
basically to the minimums, right? then if you drove through that neighborhood, then you'd be looking at a bunch of houses that are sort of squeezed in together like the one picture you showed us. Right. And then as soon as you got out into the other neighborhood, then all of a sudden up. you're seeing these houses. So it would look skewed if you were driving in there. Right. And you're just trying to keep everything so, so it looks sort of the same as you drive through. Correct. To, yeah, and, and unless somebody was really studying that, it's not going to be perceptible based on the approach that we're taking. Now, again, that five foot in five is more theoretical. That's what we could do under the, the B6 zoning. I just use that for frame of reference. But, you know, what, what we're trying to do is be consistent with, with the other and those setbacks, side yard setbacks for the uh, hidden crossing. When we were looking at the models, those are larger lots. So it, in, in some cases, those are even greater than the seven and a half, seven and a half. So it would look more skewed if you... Right. But, but to, your, to your point, it, it's not just because we don't... We'll never see this again from this angle, right? We'll only see it as we drive by or walk through a neighborhood. We don't believe that it's going to be perceptible based on the massing, even with the, the variance on the single-story homes. And, of course, they'll be interspersed throughout so that you don't have all single-story or all two-story. Um, there is a condition that you're probably aware of that one out of every three along the, the frontage must be a single story so that we don't have that two-story massing all the way around the perimeter. So does that answer your question? Mm -hmm. Thank you. I, I just did a couple, just a real quick calculation here on a 60 by 100 foot lot. Mm -hmm. I'm going to keep it simple with the five foot setbacks on each and 20 front and back and then increasing it to seven and a half, you end up uh, losing um, 300 square feet. Right. Uh, you have a 2,700 square foot rectangle instead of 3,000 feet. So it partly makes up for the, I think you had on the single story, it added what's six, 300 or 400 square feet. It, it was actually roughly 10% of that lot because they're actually 65 feet wide. Yeah, I know. I was just feet. doing this yeah. just yeah. to make it, make it simple. Right. But it does, uh, they do will eliminate three to 400 square feet of buildable area by going to the seven and a half versus the five, right. approximately a four to 400 square feet or so. So it's, it's made up by the variance on those singles approximately. It's just, it's not quite equal match because they're all a little bit different size. Right. Just thought I'd mm -hmm. throw no, that that's, out. Yep. The engineer and me coming out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I do have one question, and I asked uh, Mr. Cook this before, because we are uh, uh, getting out of uh, commercial on that property. Where are these people going to shop? Because, you know, in Rosalie, our plan used to be to put commercial, neighborhood commercial, what we call neighborhood commercial, in different areas so people wouldn't have to drive forever to get to it. So maybe you, you might want to just quickly answer that question. Well, part of that's going to depend on work commute patterns. Where, where folks are going to or coming from each day. But, you know, south on Wallerga, there's existing retail within Hillsdale area. North up to Baseline, there, there is retail up there. You may have to go over to Foothill today, but ultimately at Baseline and Fitiment, which is the extension of Wallerga, there's going to be additional retail there. This is zoned retail in the specific plan, retail commercial, but I don't think the timing of that is going to... Um, 
get ahead of some of these other locations that I'm talking about. And then, of, of course, there's going to be some further to the west and north up into Placer Vineyards. So, you know, it's not going to be close by, but, but those patterns have changed so much over the last 20 years since this plan was adopted because we just we don't have those corner drugstores as much. There's a certain rooftop and population and traffic count they all need. And then going back to my earlier point, even if you had the rooftops here, this site, because it's just a little bit too small, those points of ingress and egress are too close to the intersection to provide for anything other than right in or right out. So even though we might think it would make sense to have the corner drugstore, the dry cleaner, or what have you there, most of the retailers are going to shy away from that because it is going to make it difficult for mm -hmm. folks to provide the business to Okay, them. thank you. Okay. Thank you, Dave. Thank you. Okay, is there anyone from the public that would like to comment on this project? Okay, come up and morning. give us your name. And yes, my name is uh, Tony Small. I'm a, a resident of the Sabre City uh, development that's across the way. And uh, I'm just here today to talk to the commission about the uh, negative uh, mitigated uh, declaration and the uh, sound uh, attenuation or the, the noise factor that's going to occur and is occurring currently with the hidden uh, crossing as well as the proposed uh, Morgan Knowles on the, on the board. Sounds like the uh, negative declaration of uh, the hidden crossing is also being used for the Morgan Knowles. And I apologize, I wasn't here to speak on that. It's changed names a few times. I think it went through Silver Creek. Uh, it was called uh, something else, but I've been trying to keep a, a, an eye on the development that's been taking place, and, and my input for that is um, currently we back up to the PFE road. Uh, you know, it, it was purchased with that field open, and it was sure it was going to be developed, which was no problem, but our concern has been an increase of the noise and reading what the NEGDEC says also, or mitigated NEGDEC, it says that there's also going to be an increase of uh, what's allowable through Placer County, and, and then some. So uh, across the way, uh, the developer has done really well and, and has put up a six to eight foot berm, earthen berm, and then on top of that, another uh, six to eight foot high uh, sound attenuation for, for those folks. However, it's a bounce back factor. What, what you have is you have these folks that are stopping actually right at that entrance because that, it's already developed, right at that entrance, and what we hear is the noise coming back, and it's just a rolling noise. So uh, we get to hear you know, everybody that drives by, and they're already upset that they've just stopped 20, 25 feet away at the stop sign at Billy Mitchell Boulevard, and they let us know by peeling off. I mean, it's, it's pretty typical, at least uh, half a dozen times and throughout the evening and, and uh, early morning. So that, that aside, uh, what we're experiencing as, as residents and in talking to my uh, fellow residents is that, you know, we don't have any way of actually mitigating this, this sound. But as lead agency, as Placer County was a lead agency on this, what we're saying is where, where was our concern? Where, were we not part of the process of making sure that you know, we get some sort of uh, mitigation for the noise that's being developed. Um, and I, I come to you saying, please do not accept the proposed development. 
Uh, I appreciate the voluntary downgrade uh, for you know trying to go into the residential, but it sounds like it's going to be a difficult uh, sell for any any type of. Uh, yes, sir. I guess it's an existing entryway now that you're talking. That's about. correct. Yeah, and, the stop sign. And actually, this project doesn't have any entryway on PFE across from you. No, but as as it's been pointed out, the one entrance way that's going to be uh, to that main area, it's going to increase the traffic there. Uh, will be that main area because you're right turn only on Willurga and right in, right out. So you're going to have everybody that's needing to uh, get there will, you know, that's coming along PFE will be turning from that, that point. And it being a major artery, it's just going to grow because it does connect down to Watt. Uh, you keep going down and it, and it connects to Watt. So my, uh, the studies that have been shown also within uh, the, the plan uh, shows that there's going to be an increase of trips of over 500 uh, daily trips. And, uh, you know, that's, I, I don't believe that took into consideration your Riolo vineyards. I don't think it took into consideration this new development. This is the first time I've ever seen that. So I, if you put that many people there, that many people there, and that many people there, times it by three, that's 1,500 more trips per day. And we're right there in that, in that main uh, sound uh, area. So my question is, is, uh, is that not something that the county with their, with the mitigated negative declaration, do they not consider that for the existing residents? So with that being said, it's also understood that this, uh, that area was uh, funded with capital improvement program funds. Is that not correct? The road that, uh, the, that was built up, uh, was that not? Yeah, I think let the county planning answer that. Hi, uh, Rebecca Tabor with Engineering and Surveying. Which which road are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, PFE. Uh, as the developer, you see there's a cutoff right there where uh, the uh, entrance that uh, the entrance is for the new. Um, the new subdivision, the hidden crossing entrance on PFE. Yeah, the the work that was done on that area. Um, what I understand, if it was if it was capital improvement program funds, that's something that the developer pays into. But it's also Placer County is uh, reimbursed, I believe, federally for those funds, or at least there's a there, there's a mixing of funds. It may have not been for this specific program, but capital for, improvement. For this for this project, the developer paid for the and constructed those improvements on PFE Road. Okay. And the point I'm trying to make is capital improvement program funds are actually, since they're federally funded in some way or another or some manner, I, I believe you receive federal funds for fixing roads or is that not correct? Well, yeah, but any improvements that go in from a new development, the developer pays for. Yeah, it's all from the same piggy bank. If, if federal monies have ever gone into it, it is considered uh, a, uh, yes, it is. It's considered, it, it falls under the guise of Title IX. So I'm just saying as far as that goes, Title IX has a non-discriminationary uh, uh, aspect to it. And right now, it's just being, um, I, I'm going through, you know, my options of, what uh, to do next and, and just knowing that it's part of Title IX, maybe if we can't get the commission to talk or to, to consider not doing it, then we just go through also uh, maybe, uh, you know, talking to Title IX um, officer, whoever the county is part of. Let me see, could you point out uh, 
where you're located on the map. Uh, sure. The pin? Yeah, the pin's easier. It's a little. It's going to be right there. Oops. So the stop sign is right there, and my, you know, we, our backyard is right up to it. So, you know, I, our three kids are out there playing at any time, and uh, windows down, and everybody yeah. loves their loud music and so forth. You, but yeah, and you don't have a sound. There's no sound wall on your side. No, there there used to be a, uh, an HOA with that particular area, as you may not know or know. You own your property as well as the the homes that are on there. It is. Uh, you know, one of those rare mobile home areas where you own your, your property underneath it, so we don't pay rent, so we get to, you know, fix our property to the county standards. And uh, with this taking place, it has been uh, something considered to do another HOA, maybe get, in, get into something where we build it for ourselves. And as you probably know, that's a pretty blighted area. You know, there are some good people there. I speak of myself as well. But the, the uh, area is ripe for gentrification. It's ripe for, you know, getting those that are bring it down out. And the sound wall, I think, uh, is something that we, we as a community need to work on and will. But I'm just asking that the Planning Commission also consider the increase that's going to occur from this uh, development. I mean, the one is already happening. We know this. But doing this one will uh, just exacerbate it. So uh, I, I'm hopefully I can talk to the development company and you know if there's some sort of way in which I mean they had walls built up. I don't know. Maybe we can get some uh, quotes or something about how much it would cost and bring it back to the the residents or maybe talk with them and uh, you know if there's some sort of give and take there. I don't know, but. Right now, we're just feeling like we're really left out. Okay, thank you for your thank comments. You. Okay. Is there anyone else in the public that would like to comment? Okay, seeing no one, I'll close it and bring it back to the commission for discussion or action. Well. And the variance, if we approve it, would be uh, uh, supervisor items, right? Right. But at least for now, the other items are planning commission items. Mm -hmm. So we take it separately? Right. I think so. Yeah. Mr. Chair, right. maybe we can. <laughs> Maybe we can clarify what the commission will be doing in this instance is um, recommendations on all actions to the board. Um, it's a little change in procedure uh, from what you, you have done in the past. Um, completely legal. It's a little bit easier to manage on, uh, on bringing it forward to the board. So these are all recommendations this time. I didn't hear that real clearly, but it would be all to the Board of Supervisors. Mm -hmm. Oh, so yes. the whole. Yes, that including the map and, and the variance will all be recommendations. That includes the negative deck and everything then. Yeah. I'm yeah. sorry? That includes the negative deck and everything. Yes, yes. Okay, well, I'll, I'll try to make a. What I might suggest we do in this case, um, we've been doing this at the board also, is to have you take each particular request 
and make a motion and take a vote on that. It helps us to keep the record straight. Um, I suspect we may have to have a little more discussion before you deliberate on the variants, um, or maybe any one of these, but that's what I'd suggest to you is let's take them one at a time and go through. Okay, so I, I would make a motion that we adopt a mitigated negative declaration errata and mitigation monitoring, monitoring and reporting program for the Morgan Knowles Residential Subdivision Project. Second. I have a motion second. And that would be based on the findings of the staff report, based I Based on the findings. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I still second it. <laughs> okay, Kathy, roll call. Uh, Mr. Gray? Uh, yes. Mr. Moss? Yes. Mr. Johnson? Yes. Mr. Nader? Yes. Mr. Ricucci? Yes. Mr. Denial? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, Number two. Number two, I make the motion that we uh, forward to uh, Board of Supervisors our recommendation that we adopt a resolution approving an amendment to the Dry Creek West Placer Community Plan to create a new land use designation of medium density residential uh, two for four dwelling units per acre. Subject to the findings. Subject to the findings. I second it. <laughs> okay, uh, roll call. Uh, Mr. Gray? Yes. Mr. Moss? Yes. Mr. Johnson? Yes. Mr. Nader? Yes. Mr. Ricucci? Yes. Mr. Denial? Yes. Okay, item three. Okay, I uh, make a motion that we uh, uh, forward to the Board of Supervisors uh, an adopted resolution uh, uh, to adopt a resolution approving an amendment to the Dry Creek West Placer Community plan to change the land use designation on assessor's parcel number 023221015000 from commercial to low density residential and low density residential to medium res density residential subject to the findings. Second. second. I've got a second. Roll call. Mr. Gray? Yes. Mr. Moss? Yes. Mr. Johnson? Yes. Mr. Nader? Yes. Mr. Ricucci? Yes. Mr. Denial? Yes. Okay, number four, I, uh, <clears throat> I make a motion that we forward to the Board of Supervisors uh, the proposal to adopt an ordinance to rezone assessor's parcel number 023-2210150000 from CPD-DC Commercial Plan Development Combined Designation Scenic Corridor and RS AGV 20 PD equal to residential single family combining agriculture combining minimum lot size of 20 square feet combining planned residential development with a maximum of two residents per acre to RSAGB X 6000 residential single family combining agriculture combining building site minimum of 6000 square feet uh, as uh, per the findings. Second. Okay, roll call. Mr. Gray? No. Mr. Moss? Yes. Mr. Johnson? Yes. Mr. Nader? Yes. Mr. Ricucci? Yes. Mr. Denial? Yes. Motion carries. Now, before you uh, take the motion on, on the variance from the other. Oh, we're going to do the tentative map next. Pardon me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, uh, <laughs> so I make a motion that we forward to the Board of Supervisors uh, a recommendation for approval of a tentative subdivision map subject to the finding. Second. Roll call. Mr. Gray? No. Mr. Moss? Yes. 
Mr. Johnson? Yes. Mr. Nader? Yeah. And to clarify, pardon me, I'm really on a bad roll today. This is to clarify that your motion includes adoption of uh, the conditions of approval, correct? It, it clearly uh, includes the adoption of the conditions. It, yeah, except we've got six is the one thing that will be changing, or whatever, could, you know, whatever, whatever comes out, because it, right now, as the conditions show, it's, Oh, doesn't doesn't have maybe we better do the that. conditions last. Okay, yeah. maybe yeah. I, I think we got an okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well at this well, point, I mean from a <laughs> at this point uh, we, we probably need yeah. to discuss the variance. Right, but <sighs> yes. So so we have a motion on the table right now for approval of the uh, tentative subdivision map. Uh, we need to do the roll call, right? Yes, yeah, so I'd ask you to yeah, yeah, that so motion, just, and, then, and then we'll do the condition. That's afterwards. Fine. Yeah. Okay. We got a motion second on approving the tentative subdivision map. Roll call. Uh, Mr. Gray. No. Mr. Moss. Yes. Mr. Johnson. Yes. Mr. Nader. Yeah. Mr. Ricucci. Yes. Mr. Denayo. Yes. Okay. Now six. That's so I guess increase discussion on six. Yeah. Do we need to amend the findings if we are going to have a motion or entertain a motion that would approve the variance? Yes. And do you have some words for us? Well, <laughs> you need to if if the majority of the commission wishes to um, recommend approval of the variance in some fashion, I'm. I'm I'm guessing based on applicants' current proposal, then the commission needs to articulate the findings to support the variance based on the evidence uh, testimony that's been presented in the record. So I can walk through each one of those findings for you, um, and if you could articulate on the record what findings might support that, um, that would then shore up the record. Because as you noticed in the staff report, um, staff found based on the original proposal that there were no findings that could support the grant of a variance. And as this commission has, has seen before, a variance, the findings are, are strictly construed based on state law. The first one being special circumstances related to topography, um, and, and I should say including but not limited to topography, locations, surroundings, and other circumstances that would render the strict application of the lot coverage a deprivation of privileges otherwise enjoyed by other subdivisions in this vicinity with the identical zoning. So your first finding, if, if you are going to bring a motion to grant a variance or recommendation to grant a variance is to identify what special circumstances you have now identified based on this hearing that would support that. So the, the keeping consistent, you're talking surroundings and neighborhood, so keeping lot plan and design consistent with the neighborhood would be an adequate finding? It would. It could I, be an adequate finding, I guess? I believe the applicant also mentioned uh, that this is infill. Um, and I'm not putting words in the commission's mouth, but what I have heard are infill, uh, smart growth principles, 
um, making sure that the circulation is consistent with the existing subdivision. Those are the type of circumstances that the Planning Commission must identify if you wish to support a grant of a variance. Well, you know, I'll go at this point and uh, indicate that uh, at least my thoughts now are to support the variance. And obviously yeah. my thoughts are against it, uh, primarily because as soon as somebody else shows up and asks for the same kind of a variance, we'd be very hard put to grant them solely on an economic I don't theory. think it's solely economics. I, think I, I do. Like I, they say. could give up two lots and not have to have a variance at all. It's strictly money. No, I, I guess I'm not saying it that way. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I'm yeah. Motion. Okay. Uh, those were grand words. I don't know if I could. Yeah, where's the finding you're going to use? <laughs> okay. You want to try it? Um, I would make a motion that the Planning Commission recommend to the Board of Supervisors to approve the variance to increase the maximum lot coverage from currently adopted 40% for one-story homes to 50% on 20 lots within the subdivision. Um, I would like to add to the findings. Um, I guess the the consistency that was discussed with the the neighborhood development, the smart growth principles, infill. and the infill project has as justification or, or that to, uh, to to approve the variance. Second. Have a motion. Second. Uh, roll call. So one. Yeah. Just before you make a vote, there's a question of not or whether or not that just applied on lots of 7,500 square feet. Or less? Is that, is that correct? I would have no problem amending my motion right. to reflect that. And, and instead of saying on 20 lots, no more than 20 lots? Up, up to 20 lots. Up to 20 lots. Maximum. No more than 7,500 square feet. Yeah. Exactly. I, I still second. Okay. Roll call. Uh, Mr. Gray? No. Mr. Moss? Yes. Mr. Johnson? Yes. Mr. Nader? Yes. Mr. Ricucci? Yes. Mr. Denio? Yes. Okay. Do next finding number two. Okay. Net conditions. physical conditions. I think. Oh, do we have to deal with the conditions? Yeah. Well, that so. If um, if the commission could now direct staff to revise the conditions to be consistent with the uh, Planning Commission's recommendations to the board? I would do that. Yeah. If that needs a motion or whatever, I don't know formally how we do that, but. Do you, do you, do you want a formal motion? Or just, or direction, just, or direction. just direction. I mean, Direction's I, I think the direction, because it was the majority that way, that's good enough, so giving you direction. <laughs> forward that okay that um, that takes care of it uh, anybody would wish to appeal you have 10 calendar days and the appeal fee is $546 is there anything to appeal since this yeah. was just a recommendation yeah. to the board or I guess uh, <laughs> can we ask County Council on that question yeah is yes yes so since it's going to the board uh, it's there, there are no there are rights this is a recommendation the board yeah, just yeah I'm sorry <laughs> okay I guess you bucks and show up to the board meeting 
Yes. During that grave, I mean. Yeah. Mr. Chairman, okay. I'd like to say just a, a follow-up uh, now that we've made all the motions. Something was brought up about it, the existing residents along, and this is a, could apply to almost any arterial or any kind of road that is going to see in pre, in, increased traffic. And I know there's funding from time to time. I mean, the, fruit, the Caltrans goes out and puts sound walls up because they've increased the lane of traffic and the adjacent residents need a sound wall. And I'd like to just ask staff, if I can, and maybe I can just ask it individually, but to see if, um, if there are any kind of mitigation funds available through varied sources for sound walls or sound mitigation for the Sabre City or any others along these arterials that I, I think we need to address those um, as, as, as development occurs along these roads that aren't affronted right to the development itself. Yeah, and you know, this, this is not a new issue, uh, and particularly right there on PFE Road, this has come up before, there's been discussions about it, and it's something we, you know, we can look into and, and see what... Well, yeah, I'm not expecting an answer today, I think. What, 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 I, what I'm saying is maybe the, the gentleman who showed up to speak today, maybe he can leave us his contact information before he leaves, and uh, we'll be happy to get in touch with him and, and see what's out there. Okay, thank you. Okay, thank and you. As a follow-up to that, maybe instead of, you know, the county providing funds uh, to do that kind of a project, maybe there's a financing mechanism that can be provided to these uh, older developments to be able to do something like that so that they wouldn't have to come up with the money themselves necessarily. Yeah, we'll be happy to look into that. So, okay. Thank you.
Can you hear me? Good morning, Mr. Chairman, Commissioners. Sherry Conway, Senior Planner, Placer County Planning Services Division. We're here today to have your consideration for the Orchard at Penryn project. For some of you, most of you, this may ring a bell. This project is located in the community of Penryn, on the west side of Penryn Road, approximately a half a mile north of Interstate 80. This is Interstate 80. This is Penryn Road. This gives you a broader bird's eye view of the area. Project site is presently undeveloped with no existing structures. The site has approximately 495 feet of frontage along Penryn Road. This is Penryn Road right here. And about 60 feet of frontage along Taylor Road, right up here. Topography of the site is gently sloping with elevations ranging in the vicinity of 400 to 500 feet above sea level. Predominant habitat ty types on the site are oak woodland, annual grassland, riparian scrub. There is a drainage swale that crosses the site from north to south <clears throat> along the eastern boundary. That's this vegetation that you see here. And there's another drainage swale that crosses north to south uh, in about the middle portion of the site. These swales carry water um, on into Secret Ravine further to the south. And properties, as you can see, adjacent to the site in the north and in the west are predominantly rural residential uses. The brand new Loomis Equine uh, Medical Center is to the east on the other side of Penryn Road, and the Hope Lutheran Church sits to the south. So hopefully you're all oriented now. <clears throat> in 2007, Penryn Development LLC filed an application here with the county to develop 150 multifamily residential dwelling units. This project, as you probably recall, was approved. It included a tentative map, a conditional use permit, and uh, I think that was it. The county did prepare and uh, certify an EIR in December of 2012. And due to a changing economic climate, the applicant has now come back and determined that the, this previously approved project that consisted of clusters of multifamily residential units is no longer financially viable and is instead now seeking a modification of this project to allow instead a reduced density single family residential project on this very same site. So just again, revisiting this site, still the same site, I wanna emphasize that the entitlements that the applicant acquired just in 2012 still stand. Um, they've chosen not to pursue uh, I guess I can't go backward. They've chosen at this time not to pursue these products, um, but I want to emphasize that entitlement does still stand. As I said, they've now um, submitted a new application um, to modify the previously approved project. This project would allow 54 single-family residential lots on approximately uh, 15 acres. The currently proposed project <clears throat> would have lot sizes ranging from about 4,000 to 12,000 square feet. Project site would include six lots in common ownership. Let's see if we can get you there. We've got the one, two, uh, the drainage swale to the north, the drainage swale to the south would be considered open space lots. 
There would be a tot lot, which is indicated as lot C on your site plan, as well as guest parking areas scattered throughout the site and the roadways, and two landscape corridors along that Penryn Road frontage. Primary vehicular access, as with the previous project, would be from Penryn Road, with an exit-only access out onto Taylor Road. And both of the proposed access points would be gated. On-site circulation, as you can see, would be provided from one primary east-west road. This would cross over this drainage swale here. And the two looped roads would connect to that primary east-west corridor. Proposed project would also include this 30-foot uh, landscape easement along Penryn Road, on-site landscaping, and placement of utilities throughout. Uh, let's see. I want to kind of cut to the chase here with the next slide. So as I stated, they do have an approved project on, on record, and I wanted to quickly review what the comparison between the two projects are. Obviously, much less, uh, much reduced density one, from 150 units down to 54. Uh, corresponding local uh, population reduction from 420 to 152 persons. The new project proposes single family as opposed to multifamily homes. Uh, reduced visual impacts because of the smaller scale and mass of these new products. Decreased water demand, we were just talking about the drought, from 60 acre feet to uh, 29 or so acre feet of water annually. Reduced reduction in the ambient noise. Uh, with the prior project, if you recall, there was a uh, proposed community center, community pool. So with the elimination of those facilities and outdoor activities conducted primarily in the yards of the residences, there's less ambient noise expected. Fewer uh, daily vehicle trips, uh, down from two, uh, 989 to 516. Overall, less solid waste uh, generation, no surprise there. Um, and then a reduced overall volume of soil cuts and fills. Kind of to get your bearings if you haven't been out there for a while. Uh, the site remains, as I said, undeveloped. Uh, this is a kind of looking north along Penryn Road. And I'm happy to go back to any of these slides as you request. This is a site looking south from Taylor Road. I'll kind of dive into a couple of the issues that are articulated in my staff report. And then, of course, uh, we can go into more detail with any questions that you might have. Uh, the project is looking for an overall rezone. Um, currently, the project site, just to back up a little bit, is designated as a Penryn Parkway in the uh, Horseshoe Bar Penryn Community Plan. Nine, almost 10 acres of the site is zoned residential multifamily, combining density limitation of 10 dwelling limits per acre, a combining planned residential development of 10 dwelling units per acre. The remaining 5.2 acres is zone C1UPDC, which of course is neighborhood commercial, combining use permit required, combining design, scenic corridor. Project applicant is proposing to rezone both of the uh, existing parcels to RSB4, and that stands for residential single family, combining minimum building site size of 4,000 square feet. That proposed rezone is consistent with the uh, community plan designation of Penryn Parkway. So they're not looking for a general plan amendment, simply a rezone. 
moving forward with some of the other entitlements that they uh, have requested is a variance to parking. And I'm going to loop back to the uh, site plan in a moment to better give you a visual, but essentially each of the lots would provide two driveway uh, spaces in addition to the two uh, spaces provided in the garages. In addition, 28 additional spaces would be located throughout the project site for guest parking. Um, on street, parking is permitted on the main road, but not permitted on those two smaller looped roads. Um, and then overall, per section 1754060B5 of our zoning ordinance, uh, the project should otherwise require a total of 158 spaces. The applicant is requesting a variance to the parking standard of 136. Let me go back quickly so you can. I know it shouldn't matter. One more, two more. There we go. So the looped road. I'm sorry, the east-west road is wide enough to accommodate one side parking on the south side. The two looped roads are actually proposed to be designed at 28 feet, which is too narrow to allow on-street parking. And so the applicant is proposing several pockets of guest parking, and about seven spaces each. So there's one here, one here, one here near the tot lot, and then one here by the exit to... Uh, Taylor Road. In addition, as I said, each lot would accommodate two spaces in their driveway, additional two in their garage, parking along the south side of the east-west road. So where the deficiency lies is the fact that on-street parking would not be permitted along these looped roads, therefore the basis for the request of the parking variance. Let's see if we can get back to where we were. I want to just uh, remind you all that development of this proposed project would uh, require grading for building pads, roadways, utilities, et cetera. And as a result, most of the project site would be graded. Um, the project site was formally, as most properties in the Penryn and Loomis area, was used as a fruit orchard in the early part of the 1900s. Uh, throughout that uh, century, common uh, use of pesticides uh, resulted in kind of widespread contamination of soils in, in the area and particularly on this site. Um, site remediation is therefore proposed as part of this project. Uh, the applicant has and had prepared for the prior project a removal action work plan. Um, it's been approved by the California Department of Toxic Substances Control. What we call the RAW describes the evacuation and off-haul of the affected soil that would be completed to reduce that soil-related uh, contaminants to levels that do not pose any further threat to human health, as well as to reduce the potential for uh, ongoing adverse uh, ecological effects. Visual resources um, were, was an issue that uh, was addressed during the uh, discussion of the previously approved project. So I wanted to revisit that and um, discuss the, with this new project, a 30-foot landscape easement along Penryn Road will help reduce that visual impact as you drive up and down Penryn Road. Uh, with these single-family residences, there will be a, a maximum height of 30 feet, so that will further serve to reduce uh, visual impacts. And the overall reduction in the scale and mass will um, help contain sort of that 
with the loss of the trees, with the loss of the, the vegetation that's on site, overall uh, reduction in mass should help minimize. As I said, they're pro proposing a fairly robust landscape easement along Penryn Road here, 30 feet, and landscaping throughout uh, the project. Along the northern corridor, particularly where there are residences, um, additional landscape efforts will be uh, made to mitigate uh, visual impacts from those rural uh, houses to the north. Um, let's see. Also want to point out is uh, an increased uh, setback requirement for all of the properties that flank the north and the south property lines. They'll have to be pulled back uh, to 20 feet off of those lines to give a little bit of buffer between the neighboring properties to the north and south of the site. Noise was also an issue that uh, was brought up during the uh, approval process of the first project. So with this project, they're proposing to have some to uh, noise attenuation either in the form of a berm or possibly a sound wall to further mitigate uh, noise for the backyards of these four properties. The applicant has proposed, as was the case with the first uh, and currently approved project, a gate. Uh, this is a proposed design. Um, obviously, the subject, this pro project is subject to design review, so we'll get more detail uh, if the project is approved and moves forward, they'll have to come in and go through that design uh, review process. But this is a tentative design of that front gate. You can see they've got some stone pillars. Um, the entire perimeter is proposed to have a, an open wrought iron gate, uh, gate fence. I want to just touch on CEQA really quickly. Um, and each of you should have in your packet the addendum to the EIR. Um, the addendum is accompanied by a supplemental checklist to the previously approved EIR, and we do have copies of the original draft and final EIR. So we relied on the prior uh, certified document, um, and as lead agency, we had to um, decide and determine if this currently proposed single-family residential development would result in either new or more severe environmental impacts than those that were evaluated in the prior EIR. Based on the conclusions provided in the supplemental checklist, which you should have, we've concluded that an addendum to the previously certified EIR was the appropriate document. And then the findings for that are articulated below. I can read them if you like. Um, I think I'll wrap up my presentation and, and of course, uh, be happy to answer any questions that you have on this project. I know that both the applicant, um, his counsel, and our environmental consultant are all here, and hopefully they can help you um, get the information you need. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Approval, was a rezone required? No, it wasn't. Uh, the original approval was for a multifamily residential project, mm -hmm. which under uh, the prior zoning was permitted. So currently, 9.92 acres of the site are already zoned multifamily residential, and the remaining 5.2 acres was zoned C1, in which uh, multifamily residential residences are permitted. 
with the uh, request to switch everything to single-family residential, the rezone uh, request came forward, the project. Yeah, I was looking uh, through the documents, and uh, <clears throat> there's uh, a lot of figures about the oak woodland that disappears and, other, and wetlands that disappear and those types of things. And there's uh, a swale in the middle that uh, is going to be, it looks like it's about two acres will be uh, remaining. And so I guess what I was a little bit unclear about is what, what's intended in that swale as far as they can remove the oaks, or what, what, what are they going to do in that particular area as far as the... Uh, so the open space area in the center yeah. of the site would be preserved, including the trees. As it is? As it is. Okay. Um, there will be grading uh, plans that come forward. And I'm sure Catherine can articulate a little bit better. The swale to the east of the site, uh, though, would be piped. So the... A removal action plan to remediate the soils would remove soil from everything to the east of the swale and everything to the west of the swale, including all of those oaks. Yeah, that's what, that's what I was reading. Let me see, there was reference to uh, after it's all done, there's going to be 0 0.07 acres of wetland and 0 0.08 acres of riparian habitat. I'm presuming that's all in the center swale. That's correct. And that'll be, uh, that's that common area. It's bifurcated by the access road, but otherwise will remain intact. So this, and it'll be fenced with that uh, wrought iron open fencing here, commonly owned by the HOA. Okay. And then one more question. Uh, it, it appeared that the central swale, actually, uh, even though it's, it's an intermittent stream, but it sounds like it's running most of the time during the year. And then there's also a picture of a, a, a small swale that uh, branches off to the west of the central swale. It also has water in it. And I was wondering, uh, that, that'll be filled in, but uh, how do they address the, the water that's normally running down that swale, I guess, most of the year also, or if it is? You might defer to Phil on that one. <laughs> Swale you're talking about? There's a, a swale right down the middle, but you said something branches off to the west. Yeah, on the contour map, and there's a picture in the uh, the document that shows uh, a western swale from the central swale mm. that actually has water in it too. Yeah, I'm I'm not remembering that. I, I only remember this the swale to the near the Pendron Road frontage and the swale down the middle. Um, both will be maintained, and both drainages will be discharged in the same existing spot that they are today. So if there's any swale that's heading off to the west, that runoff will be, will be collected and discharged in its... Well, it's going to be filled in, and so there must be a, a water source that's causing that to uh, flow. So if it's, if it's running into the site, it will be maintained. Whatever's coming into the site will be maintained and conveyed through the project site. Well, it's, it's going to be filled in. Yeah, you might want to look at the, at the map. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a look and see if I can find it. Uh, and it this clearly shows in the aerial photograph, too. I, I Commissioner, guess, we have actually I, the applicant I, I, who could articulate. Okay, I, I have one question, because from the original project, wasn't everything was going to be covered, right? 
covered with the height ours. density. Everything was. This is the original project, required. and as with the proposed project, a complete site remediation would have been required. Right, and so actually, there would have been more dirt moved on the original plan than on this existing. So, from a mitigation standpoint, the original plan actually had higher mitigation requirements than what we're looking at today. Correct. Okay. W with regard to soils or something? So soils and wetlands. Right. Um, the applicant did have an updated biological report done, and that is actually contained in your packet as well, um, attached to the addendum. So they did, in the newer delineation, come up with some different numbers of wetlands. Uh, not terribly different, but slightly different. Um, the original project began back in 2007, so they did have it recommissioned um, this past year, and they did come up with some different findings. Did you want to? He was if going to I clarify can, for I you. I can jump in, yeah. Chairman. If I, okay. Let me put that back. If I can jump in. I, I was obviously the original planner on this project when it came through the first time, so I have, have a little intimate knowledge of it. But the, the most of the disturbance to the site was going to occur because of the removal action work plan. And, and that plan that was originally in place uh, and approved is the same plan that is in place now. So that's where all the disturbance of the site's gonna, uh, that's where it's gonna come from. The, the natural swell that goes through the central portion of the property, that was preserved with the original project, the 150 unit project, and it will also be preserved as part of this project. Does that answer your question, Rich, or is it? Well, I, uh, there's a, a smaller swale that runs into the central swale will be filled in. And if that uh, runs water most of the year, I was just asking, I guess from an engineering standpoint, how do you uh, address the water? Address Mr. that Chairman? swale in terms of eliminating the water or solve the problem. Okay, go, go ahead. Well, so I, if, if I'm looking at this particular figure, figure three in the addendum, it, it shows uh, <clears throat> that there's maybe Something right in this area that's draining towards the central swale. Is that what, yeah. what you're talking about? Mm -hmm. Okay, so so that runoff will be collected with all the on-site improvements and discharged into the same swale that will um, be conveyed out through the existing discharge point. So there's not an underground source. Not to my knowledge, no. Just surface runoff. Yeah. Just surface surface runoff where from the streets Correct. and all the drains. Yes. It all ends up in the center. In, the, in that central okay. swale, yes. Yeah, I guess it's unclear whether or not that was really looked into, if it's a subsurface type of water. Groundwater, environmental health usually addresses that. Does anybody hear from environmental health? I don't know if Catherine has that answer. Okay. okay. We'll let the master come up. <laughs> Would you like the, um, I think I, that was all analyzed. Uh, there, It's not groundwater. It's, uh, again, it's, that's a that little finger you're talking about. It just dead ends. It it's it's it doesn't go anywhere. It dead ends. That's going to be uh, part of the fill that's been analyzed. It's been analyzed in our core process. It was analyzed in EIR, and that's not changing from what the current project is. Okay, so then maybe the picture I was seeing, uh, the central swale appears to run water most of the year. But I and guess that'll be that's being preserved and actually. 
the impacts are less because with the multifamily project, if you go back to the road, but beneath the road, uh, there was going to be a detention basin, so there were greater impacts to uh, biological resources. That um, swale with the single family projects being removed, the area is being kept natural south of the roadway, so you actually have fewer impacts um, in that central swale um, because of the removal of the detention basin. Okay. I think I got it. Well, almost got an answer. But the but the the, the finger West. the finger is just basically it's it's you know an intermittent and it basically is is not filled all the time or even most of the year. It's just a finger that dead ends. It doesn't go anywhere, and that's being uh, re uh, removed as part of the removal action work yeah, plan. It doesn't run water. No. Very much. No. It's really the central uh, swale that does. Okay. Okay. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> sure. You go. The applicant is here, as, as is Catherine Waugh from DUDAC, our environmental consultant, so if you need them. <laughs> oh, okay, if there's any, no, no qu questions for staff, well, go ahead and let applicant Marcus. <laughs> Thank you, Sherry. You're welcome, Mark. Mr. Chairman, members of the commission, Marcus LaDuca, 3200 Douglas Boulevard in Roseville. On behalf of the owner and applicant, I'm pleased to be before you uh, today with a recommendation from both your staff and the Horseshoe Bar, Penryn Mack, for approval of a project that uh, proposes nearly two-thirds reduction in density from the project that this commission uh, recommended approval of nearly three years ago. Um, the reduced project, uh, as uh, staff mentioned, comes before you as a result of a, a very challenging financing conditions for apartment projects in the greater Sacramento region. Um, that earlier process for the approved uh, apartment project took a, a nearly seven years to complete uh, by the time we went to the Board of Supervisors in 2012. Since that time, we now have faced over the last nearly two and a half years a financing marketplace uh, that has really seen no market rate um, apartment projects built in Northern California outside of the Bay Area um, and a few very small projects that are heavily subsidized in downtown Sacramento. Add into that the fact that for a market rate apartment or any apartment project um, in this region, you have to pay Bay Area wages to get any workers to actually build them. Um, we've had increasing um, uh, materials costs during that time period. Um, so even though the economy has not uh, been very vibrant for part of that period, uh, we've still seen increasing materials costs. My client has faced a very difficult decision. Um, as a long-term apartment builder and owner throughout the western United States. They could keep their entitlements in place for a project that is no longer financeable or feasible or um, consider an alternative land use. So uh, they've worked on this uh, property for nearly 10 years. So after that, they decided to defer to the marketplace and come back to you with a project with 54 single-family homes, which uh, ironically is even fewer than the 60 that was recommended by folks um, in the community who were opposed to the apartment project um, over the, that process uh, that was uh, culminated in 2012. Um, as uh, Sherry just mentioned in the staff report and the addendum note, the project before you will have actually reduced impacts in a whole number of areas, um, not just the few that were mentioned, uh, visual, noise, solid waste, water demand, also uh, heavy reduction in traffic, um, air quality, greenhouse gas emissions, reduced cut and fill. Um, the project will still be removing the contaminated soil. It's required. Pretty much nearly all the impacts on the site are due to the removal action work plan. 
which um, has now been approved by the state since this commission last saw the project. We're still going to be uh, preserving that central riparian area. Um, the significant rock outcroppings will still be preserved. Um, and again, the removal of that contaminated soil isn't just for purposes of a land use on the site. It actually is going to improve water quality downstream because currently the water flows through the site and is going downstream with, uh, over those contaminated soils. Um, our request for a parking variance um, is meant for a couple of reasons. One, um, looking at the site, we think that there's adequate parking uh, on the site with the parking areas we provided. But by just in those loop rows, having that narrower street section, it also has some water quality benefits as well. Otherwise, you're going to basically be increasing um, the entire street section throughout the project. And the idea, particularly with the new water quality standards coming down from the state that are now effective, you have to look for every way possible to try to um, minimize your water quality impacts and your pretreatment before discharge. And so um, having less pervious or impervious surface is one of the ways that the uh, you know, projects look to, and we saw that as a potential benefit, um, and as the analysis showed, we still can uh, adequately park the project. Um, we've worked with our neighbors, worked with the MAP, uh, MAC as this project has gone through the process. Uh, we've, we're happy to have the support of the MAC uh, as we proceed forward to you and ultimately to the board. Um, my client still stands behind their commitment they made last time to the elementary school district and to the Delaro pool project to um, uh, continue the contributions that they'll make to those even though we've lost nearly 100 units they made that commitment and they stand by them again that's off con conditions um, it was simply what they looked at in terms of benefit to the public and they've stand stood by those uh, commitments and we'll carry those through should this commission and ultimately the board approve the project uh, with that um, we'd be happy to answer any questions we'd ask for your recommendation to the board for approval of the uh, project as it's been presented to you today and as the conditions have been revised in the errata sheet. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Any questions? Yeah, I, I probably have a minor issue. <laughs> Basically, the project to me so far seems like it's pretty good. But in the MAC meeting, uh, somebody brought up the uh, idea of deer. Mm -hmm. And uh, the project is going to be fenced all the way around. And I think I saw in the document that somebody had declared that there's not a corridor going down through the project, but normally animals will follow a, a you know, a riparian area stream. And uh, we have that open area in the middle. I guess uh, what I'm thinking, and uh, I don't know what kind of fence, or if it's going to be a tall fence or anything, it's but if it's be a like six-foot open fence, so in other words, um, you know, most critters are going to be able to, um, you know, whether they're, you know, skunks, raccoons, whatever, they'll, uh, they'll be able to get through that. Um, my client has talked, as they, as staff mentioned, we'll go through design review about at that central swale possibly creating a larger um, uh, opening at the bottom so that animals uh, can get through, particularly, you know, for example, deer, um, so they can, it, it won't be left completely open. Yeah, you want uh, both for our neighbors and for the project itself to have the fencing there, but they can create, so as opposed to going all the way flat to the ground, they can create a larger opening that animals can scoot under. So that, they, that was what my concern was, because I could think that, uh, you know, if, if there wasn't some provision and you got deer trapped inside, then you got a problem if they get in or... Yeah, you don't want them getting in, not getting out. That wouldn't be yeah, a good thing. You don't want them not to get out, and then if they can't get through there, then, uh, you know, if you force them out on the street, then you're going to have carnage out in the streets. So. Right. 
the idea was to do, do that so that the, both at the northern end of the central swale and the southern end, which again will not be a detention basin anymore, that they, that you could uh, possibly have the opening at the bottom larger just so the animals can go in and out. Okay. And so my client has already talked, has talked to staff and they can do that as part of the design review when they go to staff uh, as part of that fencing detail. Okay, thank you. Looks like no other questions? Okay. Thank, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Okay, would anyone from the public like to comment on this project? Okay, seeing none, I'll close it off and bring it back to the commission for discussion or motion. I just have a quick question on the errata sheet regarding the um, building permit fees or, or the uh, the park park and recreation facilities fee. I guess it is. That's correct. Um, if no final map is recorded, can they actually get a building permit to build? No. So do we need this condition in here? This condition was provided by Andy Fisher from Parks. Sorry, Andy. And I think he left. Oh. <laughs> We're running late. He had to go. So yeah, this is his condition that gives credit, partial credit for the tot lot. Um, okay, okay. Recommendation to the board. It can be, if necessary, clarified within the condition when it goes to the board. Well, no, noting your your. I comment. certainly would want the the developer to get credit for for building the tot lot and that, but to condition it on something that is a condition that already exists, I it, right. redundant is not a good thing. You know. <laughs> May I, Mr. Chairman? That sentence you're talking about, if no final map is recorded. Um, Typically, you sometimes see that in uh, other contexts um, uh, which don't involve maps, and so it's just uh, a building permit. So it's just that, that language I've seen in other jurisdictions' language. It's a carryover that's put in. Um, it's that sentence is the one, because in, obviously in this case, you don't have a project without a final map. Exactly. Um, yeah, or there won't be any building permits issued until a final map in this case because it's a residential project. But a non-residential project, for example, will sometimes not have a map. Um, we'll just have, uh, so there isn't the final map to record, and they still, still might have um, some park fees to pay or other, other type of fees. I can live with it, I guess. I just. <laughs> okay, any other discussion? Anybody like to make a motion? Mr. Chairman, I guess, are you going to do this? Um, <laughs> Mr. Chairman, I would make a, a motion that the Planning Commission recommend the, the, to the Board of Supervisors that um, they adopt the addendum to the previously certified Orchard at Penryn Final Environmental Impact Report and amend the Mitigation Monitoring and Reporting Program. That we adopt an ordinance to rezone the 15.1 acre site from RM-DL10PD10 to, um, let's see here. It's on the board if you want to. <laughs> well, glasses work better close up here. 
A residential multifamily combining density limitation of 10 units per acre combining planned residential development of 10 units per acre and C1 UPDC, neighborhood commercial combining use permit combined design scenic corridor to RSB4, residential single family combined building site of 4,000 square feet. Um, recommend that we approve the vesting tentative map and approve a variance to section 17.54.06B5 of the zoning ordinance to allow for a reduction in the required parking standards from 158 to 136 spaces. Based on the findings. Based on, Based on the findings. And, and, and the conditions of approval. And the errata and, and sheet. And you're going to do the variance later? Oh, I already did that. Yeah, okay. got that. Okay, do we have a second? Second. I have a motion second. Roll call. Mr. Gray? Yes. Mr. Moss? Yes. Mr. Johnson? Yes. Mr. Nader? Yes. Mr. Ricucci? Yes. Mr. Denial? Yes. Motion carries, so. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you all. Now we'll go ahead to item number three. And that's I'll go uh, I'll go ahead and take that item. We have to formally we we do, uh, but I'll, but I'll make this simple. So the, the next item before you is the Ponds uh, Pavilion and Lost Project. We're we're asking that you continue this to uh, uh, the May seventh meeting. So I'm going to have, have you ask you to do two things here. First is to uh, look at May seventh as a special planning commission date and take a motion on approving that special planning commission date and then the second action would be to act on the continuance for the ponds pavilion project okay do we have a motion to for a special hearing date okay so moved okay second second okay we got a motion second roll call yes 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 Yes, okay, that, that carries now for Thank you. second part of that. <laughs> oh, that we uh, continue, uh, continue, continue the Pond Pavilion and Lofts uh, uh, proposal to uh, what, uh, May 7th? And, and if I can add to that, to a time to be determined. To a time to be determined. Thank you. Um, motion second, roll call. Yes. 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 Okay. Uh, I was just going to ask a question if I could uh, on the item that came before us under the public comment. Is that something we're going to hear on the 7th? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's our, that's our, that's our plan. Okay. Okay. Thank you. And we will see you the 7th.